God and your job, and we've been talking a little bit about how we integrate our faith into our work and uh, what, what is God's view of our work. Uh, we spend a lot of time at work, as we talked about uh, last week. Whether you're going to school or you're a mom or you're out working, uh, we spend a lot of time working. About a third of most people's lives is spent working. A half of all our waking hours are spent uh, working. We work a lot. And so it's important that we talk about how God fits into our work, uh, how our faith fits into what we spend a lot of time doing. And so last week we, um, we started and we uh, basically went through these three things and we'll do a little bit of review. First thing was that God wired us for work and work is a good thing. That is that we as Christians do not see work or our jobs as a necessary evil. And that's often how our culture sees work, that uh, we need to do whatever we can to get out of work, and I live for the weekends, and I live for vacation, and work just sucks, right? And, but work is actually a good thing, and God has actually created us for work, that work is not a result of the fall of man and sin, that God actually created work before sin ever entered this world, that he gave Adam and Eve a, a job description um, and told them to work and subdue the land and create and cultivate and those kinds of things. But we also talked about how our work was affected by sin. And we all know this, that, that our jobs can be super frustrating at times. We want to quit our jobs sometimes. And, and sometimes things don't go well and they break and they fall apart. And, and that's all a result of, of the fall of man. That our work, which is good, is also affected by the fall. So we have thorns and thistles in our work, but we also have fruit. And, uh, and there's good, good things in work as well. And then we talked about uh, th that every job is a kingdom job. That we need to stay away from sort of the Greek dualistic thinking that, that uh, spirit is good and all material things are bad. And we talked a little bit about how Martin Luther fought against that in his day, where in his day, if... Uh, if you really wanted to serve God, if you really wanted to be in God's favor and blessing, you needed to be a priest, a monk, or a nun. And if you had any other kind of job, like just working as a carpenter or a farmer, you weren't really that pleasing to God. You, you weren't really earning bonus points with him, because that was kind of less than kingdom work. And Martin Luther came in and said, no, God calls people to all of those things. And God can use people in all of those jobs and that we must see that every job is a kingdom job. That whatever your job is, that God can use you and will use you as much as he is using me as a pastor. That, that all of us are serving in kingdom jobs. And so we walk as Christians in that worldview. That work is a good thing, though it's frustrating at times. And that all jobs are kingdom jobs. And so it's very important that we begin, as I'm going to use my sunglasses here, to sort of put on our glasses, right? When you put on a set of glasses, everything changes, right? That we basically see life through the lenses of the kingdom and the gospel. And that we always leave our, our kingdom gospel lenses on whatever we're doing. We need to run from dualistic thinking where it, it might look like, Okay, you, you show up at church, so you're going to church, and so you say, well, I better put on my gospel kingdom glasses because I'm going to church. And then you, you worship, and you read your Bible, and you listen to a sermon, and you get all Christian and stuff because this is the church thing, and this is church, right? And then 
then you leave church and go, well, that was it for my kingdom for the day. And then you go home and you hang out with your family or do some chores. But you kind of just left God at the church, you know. And, and then maybe Monday morning you wake up and you go, I got five minutes for devotions. And so you throw on your gospel kingdom glasses and you read the Bible and you feel all spiritual. And then, well, I got to go to work. So you take off your kingdom gospel glasses and you go to work and you don't think about God. You don't, you're not living through the worldview uh, of the kingdom. And, and then you get home and then maybe you got Bible study. You're like, Bible study. Got to get those kingdom glasses back on. You go to Bible study, right? And, and you're like feeling all good and you feel close to God and you're living for God. Now we're talking. This, this is kingdom stuff, Bible study, right? But the next day you go to work and you take them off and you don't think your work is kingdom. You're not thinking through the gospel. You've, you've ended up in this Greek dualistic thinking and that's not Christian. The gospel is to radically change everything in our lives everything we do is to be shaped by is to be is to be through the kingdom so you need to see your work as 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 gospel as kingdom that everything you do that that we're living for jesus he is our leader he is our lord he is our forgiver and our work is no exception so don't take off the kingdom glasses right when you go to work and so some of the things we talked about now we're going to transition today into What does this look like? What does it look like to wear my kingdom glasses at work? What does it look like to integrate my faith into that which I do a lot of, and that is work? Whether you're, you know, a Christian guitarist, or you're a Christian artist, or you're a mechanic, or a baker, or whatever you are, a CEO, what does this look like? And throughout Christian thinking, there have been basically six ways that Christians have, have seen it to sort of integrate their faith into their work. And so some Christians will say, well, the way we integrate faith into our work is evangelism. That I am to be sharing my faith at work. That this is what it means to be a Christian in the, in the work world, right? Others will say, uh, no, it's more about having a great attitude and hard work. That I am to be flowing uh, of the fruits of the spirit of love joy peace patience i should be enthusiastic and i should be fun at work when everybody's grumpy and i'm going to work hard that's what it means to be a christian at work others will say well my role as a christian at work is to be a blessing to my city and a blessing to my community to make my town a better place others will say it's about loving others in relationship that one of the big things we're called to do is love our neighbors. And so I'm going to love my customers. I'm going to love the people I work with. I'm going to love my employees. Others will say it's about social justice, that we can use our jobs to bring about social justice, make this world a better place, help the poor, help the needy, help those who are struggling in different areas. Still others will say it's about money, that I work to make the most money so I can bless my family, and give as much money away as I can to the church or to the kingdom work, whatever it might be. And so sort of the six different ways people have tried to integrate their faith into the work. And it's a mistake to think that you need to choose one and leave out the other. And this is a mistake some Christians make as they come in and say, well, it's just about this, and I don't have to think about these other things, where all of these things have biblical warrant that we can make a case from the Bible for all of these things. And really, we should see, as we go to work, these things as kind of a toolbox. 
There are all these different tools that we can use and utilize when we're working as Christians. And so we're going to begin talking through these things, and um, we won't get them all this week. But we'll start with evangelism. That is part of the way that we can live with our, our kingdom glasses on right at work is, is to be thinking gospel. That is, man, I have the most amazing gift. I walk in forgiveness. I walk in grace. My shame, my guilt has been washed away. I know the God of this universe, and I can boldly go into the throne room of grace. Man, I'm just so thrilled to know God. I'm just part of his kingdom. That's such an amazing gift. But God said that we're not to just keep it for ourselves. I mean, he says in, uh, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. This is to go, that, that we don't just sit here in church and say, come, come. He said, go, go. And, and one of the ways we go is when we're working, when we're out in the community. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his plea through us. We plead with you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Again, that we're just to walk through life with this, this always in the back of our mind, that I have this wonderful gift to give. I have this wonderful gift to give. And we don't just think that way in Bible study or in church, but we are to think that way in all of life. Uh, one key text we can look at is uh, Colossians 4. It says, be devoted to prayer keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us. So Paul is telling people, pray for us too, that God may open a door for the message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. He's writing while he's in, in prison. But he says, pray for us that doors might be open because I'm hanging around to the prisoners, because I got the guards next to me. Pray that God would open doors, which means... When you pray, God opens doors. That when you pray, God opens doors. And, and this should be just part of our life, that we're always praying that, God, would you open a door that maybe I could share just a little bit about the kingdom, a little bit about God today. Because when you start praying, and, and, and I mean, if you separate your gospel kingdom from work, when you go to work, you're not going to be praying for opportunities because, you know, God's not really a part of my work. But he wants to be a part of your work, and one way is so that we can share our faith. And then he goes on and says, uh, pray that I might make it known as I should. So when an opportunity does come away uh, around, we want to be wise, that God would give us wisdom, that we don't turn people off, but we don't be too soft at the same time either. Uh, verse 6 says, conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunities. So every opportunity we have while we're at work or what we're doing, we're to make the most of it. And one of the ways we do that, and we're going to talk about a lot of other ways, one of the ways is just to have in the back of your mind, I've got this amazing gift to give. Then he says, let your speech always be gracious. Not just sometimes, but always be gracious. That if an opportunity comes up, our conversation needs to always be gracious seasoned with salt and you put salt on things to make them taste better or it's used as a preservative again the way we share the gospel should be flavorful so that you may know how you should answer everyone and so 
Again, part of integrating faith into work is, is again, just, just living with that in your back. I have this wonderful gift to share. A couple thoughts on this. And uh, one of them we actually learned about on Wednesday at our Bible study here. We talked about this, that when it comes to, to sharing our faith, we need to make sure that we don't force it or we don't miss it. We don't force it or we don't miss it. There's two big errors that we can make. I mean, it's not wise to show up at work and start yelling at the top of your lungs, right? Hey, everybody, you know, if you don't, you don't accept Jesus today, you're all going to hell, you miserable sinners. And, you know, trying to force and, you know, take a Bible, you to read this thing, and then check on you better read the whole thing next week. I mean, no, I mean, you're going to get fired. And then you've just lost all opportunity to even, you know, witness to those people. Don't force it. But on the other hand, you don't miss it. Right? If someone comes up to you at work and, you know, just a miracle happens and he says something like, you know, I just, I'm so frustrated with my life and I just can't, uh, I just keep beating myself up, up over all my past mistakes. You know, I have a hard time forgiving myself. You don't say, well, not really, that's too bad. So about that business plan, uh, you know, it's like, there's a big open door. I mean, don't miss it. So don't force it, but don't miss it. And second, you need to allow time for the spirit to work. I mean, we're not living in a Christian culture anymore, okay? We're post-Christian. That, I mean, uh, a long time ago, I mean, people, everybody knew about Jesus. You just had to come up to him and say, hey, Jesus, you can give them the sinner's prayer. And they go, oh, yeah, I need to be living that way. And they can, you know, just in 30 seconds, they can become a Christian. But people don't know anything about Jesus, some people know some, but a lot of people don't know anything about Jesus. And it takes time, many conversations, uh, to bring a, place to, uh, a person to a place where they say, I want to commit my life to him. So again, you can't force a conversion. You know, that shouldn't be your goal. You should be, your goal should be to plant seeds and to maybe bring them a little bit closer. I mean, the illustration I've heard before is that if you are a single person, and work was your work, you had to leave for work in 15 minutes, and I showed up at your door with another single person, and I said, hey, you're single, this person's single, you need to get married right now. In fact, I'm a pastor, and so uh, I'm going to marry you right now. You'd be saying, whoa, 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 I don't even know this person. Well, he's a good person, he's amazing, he's, he's very giving and very gracious and very loving, you need to marry this person. Well, okay, well, uh, you say he's loving, but I still need to figure out who this person is before I'm going to marry them. And, I mean, giving your life to Jesus is a big deal. I mean, it's like marriage. It's a huge commitment to say, for the rest of my life, I'm going to follow Jesus. And just as you meet someone for the first time, many people are meeting Jesus for the first time. And it takes a little while, a lot of conversations to to bring them to a place where they go, I really know who Jesus is, and I really want to give my life to him now. Now, sometimes it might happen real quick, but allow for time if, if need be. Now, another thing, or a couple questions here. There's a little insert in your bulletin if you want to look, work on these questions this week. Uh, one, have I been praying and looking for open doors at work? I mean, this is, even, is this even in your mind? Are you praying that God might bring about opportunities? Or number two, when it comes to sharing the gospel, do I tend to force it on people or miss out on opportunities to share it? All of us probably will, will maybe fall on one end or, or the other. So the second thing, how we can integrate faith into our work, is by having a great attitude and working hard. 
And this is what the Bible says, that we should at work have a good attitude and we should work hard. Colossians 3 says this, clothe yourself with a heart of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If someone happens to have a complaint against anyone else, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also forgive others. And do all these virtues add love, which is the perfect bond. Let the peace of Christ be in control in your heart. For you are in fact called as one body to this peace. And be thankful. And verse 17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That we are to clothe ourselves with mercy, kindness, gentleness, love. And the mistake, again, some people can make is they say, yep, I totally agree. When I'm at church, when I'm around other Christians, when I'm at Bible study, I got this down. I'm clothed and that stuff. And then they go to work and they're like, I'm taking this thing off. And I'm grumpy and I yell at people and I'm angry and I'm the most frustrating person at work because really what does God have to do with my work? That's not Christian. Whatever we do, in all things, we, we're to be keeping our gospel shades on, right? So I'm going to have a good attitude when, when I'm at work. And that's, that's common sense. I mean, all of us hate it when you go to a store and the checkout person's grumpy, right? We don't like that, right? And that, that shouldn't be us as Christians. We should be the, the, the more enthusiastic, joyful person. So a great attitude, this is not just in the spiritual realm, this is all realms, right? Now, also hard work. The Bible is very clear on working hard. In Colossians 3, it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in every respect. Now, when you read about slaves and masters in the Bible, don't think about 17th, 18th, 19th century North American slavery. Okay? It's totally different. In Paul's day, uh, I mean, there were a lot of slaves, but they were actually more kind of like employees and employers the way it is now. I mean, there were doctors and lawyers and politicians who were slaves. You often received training. You'd be paid as a slave. In those days, a lot of slavery was that if you ran out of money, they didn't have credit cards in those days. You couldn't go to the bank and get a loan. You would go to someone and say, I'm going to be willing, I'll willingly become your slave until I have my debt paid off. And so they'd pay you, and then once you've had your debt paid off, then you'd be set free. Now, there were, of course, abuses back in those days. But, you know, even today with employers and employees, there's abuses, right? So this is about, if we kind of bring this in today's culture, it would be employees obey your earthly bosses in every respect. Okay, not, not just some, but every respect. Not only when they are watching, like those who are strictly people pleasers, but with a sincere heart fearing the Lord. And so, I mean, you might work hard when your boss is around, but as soon as he's on coffee break or goes for lunch, you're like, boop, chicken, chilling out, right? You go on the internet and just waste all your time, or you sit on your shovel, or whatever your job is, right? Because the boss isn't around. But the Bible goes on to say, you know, your boss is around. Because you have a greater boss, and his name is Jesus and he asks you to respect, to obey your boss, whether he is around or whether he's not. And then he says, 
whatever you are doing, work at it with enthusiasm. As to the Lord and not for people. You might say, well, I don't work with enthusiasm. I'm so grumpy at work because I hate my work. I'm grumpy at work because I get paid minimum wage and so I can waste time and I don't have to obey my boss and I can just fiddle around and have a grumpy attitude. I can have a, be miserable at work because I feel miserable or whatever, right? I mean, lots of excuses. But look what he says. That we don't do this for our bosses. We don't have a good attitude because of our money. We have a good attitude because of Jesus. This, this is as to the Lord. That the reason he asks us to have a good attitude is because Jesus is there. I mean, do you realize that Jesus is as much with you at work as he is here? As much as you try to put on your gospel shades when you come into church and be all gospelly and cool and nice. and I mean, he's saying, do that at work. Do that at work. Because you know that you will receive your inheritance from the Lord as the reward. And so he's actually going to reward you for this. Like, you know how you get Christmas bonuses sometimes? Well, maybe a couple of you at work <laughs> or whatever, right? It's, this is God saying you're going to get a bonus. You're going to get a bonus in the end when you work this way. Now, Colossians is not the only text, but Ephesians basically says the same thing. Employees, obey your human employers with fear and trembling in the sincerity of heart as to Christ. So the same way that you follow and obey Christ, it's like you're to be doing the same with your earthly employer. That's crazy talk, it seems, isn't it? It seems like crazy talk. But this is what the Bible is saying. Not like those who do their work only when someone is watching as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. That you're like, God, what is your will for my life? Well, here's part of it. Obey your boss. Do a good job. Work with a good attitude. This is God's will for you. And then he says, obey with enthusiasm, as though serving the Lord and not people, because you know that each person, whether slave or free, if he does something good, this, again, will be rewarded by the Lord. Now, you might be saying, but you don't know my boss. You don't know my situation. But this, again, was spoken to slaves and masters. How much more for us as employees and employers? Well, what about our bosses? What about our employers? Well, he, he talks about that as well. He says, masters, bosses, employers, treat your employees the same way, the same way. Giving up the use of threats because you know that both you and they have the same master in heaven and there is no favoritism with them so that you as an employee and employer have the same boss. You have the same boss. That's what he's saying. That employers, you should be gracious and loving and kind and, and run your business in a God-honoring kingdom way and employees, you're to do the same way because you have one boss. And so if you are here and you own a business, you are not the head honcho of your business. Jesus is. Just as we say in this church, that Jesus is the senior pastor. I'm not the senior pastor. Jesus is the senior pastor. That in your business, yeah, you're the owner. Yeah, you're the boss. But you have a guy who is, owns your company. 
right? And this is the way that we are to view our work through our kingdom gospel lenses. And so a couple questions here. Number one, do I work hard at my job with a good attitude? Number two, for employees, do I obey and respect my boss like I do Jesus? Or for employers, do I treat my employees with honor? Number four, how should my attitude and performance change when I consider that I'm actually working for God? In what ways do I need to change? And remember that we talked about last week that we are to see whatever your job is, you see that as your calling. That God has called you to that because that's the language Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. That God has called you to whatever job you're in now. Now, he might call you to another job. But whatever job you're doing now, you're to see that as a calling from God. And that God wants to work through you and be kingdom through you, whatever your job is. Again, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or in school or you're out in the workforce. Now, last one we're going to talk about today is... Being a blessing to my community or city. Uh, 600 BC is when the Babylonians came in and they uh, destroyed Israel, they destroyed Judah, they deported all the people and basically placed them in new cities and new towns all over the kingdom of Babylon. I mean, imagine being uprooted from where you live, taken to like, I don't know, Maine or something like that, you know, all sitting around all these other kinds of people, you don't know them, it's a different land, I mean, you might be tempted to go, you know, I'm going to work against my city, I don't like this town, you know, you know big mountains like I do, I mean, whatever you're, I don't like this town, but you could imagine the people being transported from the place where the temple was, and now they're in this land of Babel and these different cities, and they're like, I'm not working for these cities. These are all pagans around me. They don't honor the God of the Bible. I'm not working for the good of my city. And then God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah this. He says, uh, work to see that the city where I sent you as exiles enjoys peace and prosperity. You see that? Work. To see that the city where I sent you as exiles in a land filled with pagans who don't know God or whatever, work for the good of the city. Make sure that city enjoys peace and prosperity. P pray to the Lord for it. For as it prospers, you will prosper. That part of our role as Christians is to be praying for our communities and praying for our cities. And working that our cities and our communities would be blessed. Do you pray for this community? Do you pray for Nelson or Castlegar or whatever community you are in? And do you see your job as a way to work for the benefit of the city? Early Christians from early on understood this. Um, and one example is a guy named Erastus. That Erastus was both an assistant to Paul, and was a city administrator. In Acts chapter 19, it says this. So after sending two of his, that's Paul's assistants, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia, he himself stayed on for a while in the province of Asia. Asia. Now, many scholars believe that this Erastus is the same Erastus of Romans 16. And Paul is giving greetings, and he says, And to the whole church greets you. 
And then he says, Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cordus greet you. It can be translated city treasurer or city administrator. In other words, Erastus was a Christian, and he was one of the top guys in charge of the city of Corinth. Now, if you read about Corinth, it's a wild town, right? I mean, as pagan as you get. And there was a Christian who was the city administrator or city treasurer over the whole town. And he was also perhaps an assistant to Paul. That he didn't say, because I'm a Christian, I can't work for the good of the city. You know, this whole town is corrupt. I'm not going to work for the good. I'm just going to focus on my spiritual stuff. And no, he's like, now I'm going to be helping Paul, and I'm going to do whatever I can to bless the city. In fact, Erastus, in the city of Corinth today, there is a ruin there that has this inscription on it. And it says, at the same time period, it says, Erastus laid the pavement at his own expense in return for his adulship, which was, in those days, they were called what were, were benefactors. And so if you wanted a position over a city, you had to bless your town in this amazing way, and then you could have a position. So some people would build, like, huge buildings, or they would provide a mass amount of food for everybody in the town. Erastus, and most people agree that this is the same Erastus who was the city treasurer, the city administrator, laid a huge chunk of pavement in the city of Corinth, which would have been hugely expensive. A Christian who is an assistant of Paul, also in the city administration, using his own money, not just for gospel work, but also for blessing his city, making his town a great place. Scholar Bruce Winter, who's written a lot on this, uh, says this, if the evidence of Acts 19.22 is accepted, Erastus was a Christian of substantial means, active in two spheres, church and city. If this is correct, then there was no dichotomy in the thinking of the early church between gospel church ministry and seeking the welfare of the city of Corinth as benefactors. Paul wrote in such a way as to imply that the secular and spiritual welfare of the city were two sides of a single coin and not separate spheres. In other words, the early Christians, and he's done a lot of just work on this, didn't live like, you know, now I'm in church mode, gospel mode, kingdom mode, and, and when I go to work, when I think about my town, when I think about my city, I just take the glasses off. That as Christians, we're not just to be, you know, uh, you know bringing people to Jesus, we're not just to be studying our Bibles and praying, but we're also to be, be loving and caring for our cities in whatever way we can. And, and you can use your job to do that. We see another text in Philippians chapter 4, 22. It says, all the saints greet you. And then it says this, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Christians who are working in Caesar's government, maybe at his palace. And Caesar was the the pagan emperor and had people worship him. People viewed him as a god and there were Christians working in that area. They didn't say, well, we can't work there because, you know, it's so pagan. They're like, we want to work there because we want to work for the good of our empire. And we can do that as well. Whatever your job is, I mean, work for the benefit of, of the city. I mean, even if you're an arts, uh, concert pianist and uh, author, 
DeAndrews wrote this. All the disciplines, music, painting, sculpture, theater, and writing, are in need of pioneers to seek a way to perform in the 20th century, written a while ago, manner, to show with quality work that there is an answer to the absurdity of life, to the threat of annihilation, to the mechanization of man. The message being sounded loud and clear by the non-Christian artist. In other words, in the non-Christian world, a lot of art, music, painting, writing is kind of a downer. And it means it's not kingdom. It's, you know, depressing people in some ways. And then uh, she goes on and says, if we are to per, uh, present God's message to disillusioned, uh, frenetic 20th century people, it's going to take his creativity expressed in special ways. I hope that some of you in the creative fields will be challenged by the almightiness of our creator God and will spend long hours before him saying like Jacob, I will not go unless you bless me until you show me how to speak out of your wonder to, to the contemporary mind. In other words, you can use even paintings or whatever your gift is to, to try to bless people and bring the kingdom in. And, and again, to not just see kingdom in a little sphere of your life, but, but all of your life. Whatever your work is, that's kingdom. And allow God to work kingdom through you. And one of the ways you can simply do this is by being the best at whatever you do. Being the best at whatever you do. I mean, this is the way you add value to your community. This is the way that you can grow in influence and therefore have more influence in being able to share the kingdom. I mean, if you're a carpenter, you want to be the best carpenter with the best attitude who works hard that you can be because when you're working with people they go wow you work with a great attitude you're gonna be wow you do really good work i'm gonna hire you again and i'm gonna tell my friends about you all of a sudden your influence has grown i mean i don't want to hire if i need someone a crappy carpenter or a plumber or electrician who doesn't like his job and is not very good at it one of the ways you can bless your city and bless your community and grow in influence is being the best that you can be at whatever you do I mean, if you own a retail store, have good prices, have good product. I mean, bless your city. I mean, if you're in government, try to think, how can I bring kingdom values in here, but not force it, but not miss those opportunities? How, how can I do that? If you're a lawyer or a doctor or a, a professional, be the best that you can be. That is kingdom-minded. Blessing your city, that's kingdom-minded. Trying to grow in influence that you can affect people's lives and this partly has to do with recognizing how god created you that's why you need to find a job hopefully that somehow matches how god has designed and created you i mean if you are really good with working at your hands probably not best to like get a desk job where you're writing all the time right you're going to suck at it and uh, it's going to be hard for you and you're 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 not going to bless the community you're not going to bless the city I mean, if you're a raging introvert, you probably don't want a job where you have to be extroverted all the time because that will be frustrating and you're going to be miserable. But try to find out how God has created you. What gifts has he given you? And try to find a job that somehow, you can't always do it, but matches those gifts because you're going to have more fun at it. You're going to be better at it. You're going to bless your city. You're going to grow in opportunities to, to minister to people. So, we integrate our faith in, in, in many ways. And so a few questions here for this one. Number one, do I currently see my job as a place where God works through me to bless my community? 
And number two, how can I use my current job to be a greater blessing to my community? And so sharing our faith is part of this. Part of this is is being a blessing to your community. Part of this is working with a good attitude and working hard. And next week, we're going to talk about uh, a real fundamental issue, and that is about love and relationships, that our work needs to be about love and relationships. Talk a little bit about social justice in our jobs, and we're going to talk about money, because the Bible talks about all of those things in terms of our work and in God. And so may we leave here with our nice, fancy kingdom cool shades on them, okay? And just don't take them off. Don't take them off, right? Just live with this kingdom mindset wherever you are. And you know what? It makes your job so much more fun. And if you're, you just think job is a necessary evil, and I just got to do it for, to make some money, I ain't going to bum you out. But when you see your job as something grander, that God wants to use me, he wants to bless me, he wants to do something great through me, he wants to, I mean, he can change your job. It's like the story of like the three bricklayers, that common story that probably a lot of you have heard, like that guy who comes across these people building a big brick wall and, and they ask each of the bricklayers the same question, what are you doing? The first guy says, I'm laying bricks. This is lame. The second guy, like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm building this wall. Can't you see? And he asks the third guy and the third guy says, I'm building a huge cathedral. It's going to be such a blessing to our city. Same job, different outlook. And you can have the same job, but when you just all of a sudden start thinking kingdom, then your job becomes new. And that's the way God wants it. So may there be blessing on our work and and on our week. And so let's stand as we close today. God, we today want to thank you for work. Uh, God, though it can be frustrating and a pain and uh, vacation and holidays seems like a lot more fun, God, we thank you for it because you created it good and you want to do good things through it. And God, our prayer today is that you would help us to think gospel, you would help us to think kingdom in whatever we are doing. God, that we would not live as hypocrites separating our Christianity from the rest of our life. God, that we would truly love you and love people no matter what we are doing. That in everything, we would be giving you thanks and glory. God, I pray you would reveal to us here in greater ways, God, how we as a church and how we as individuals working in all different places, how we can be a blessing to our community and to our city. God, that you would help us, God, to to always have in the back of our mind how we have an amazing gift because we do. So good to know you, Jesus. I love forgiveness. I love grace. I love walking with you. I love some of the challenges you give me. Sometimes not, but, <laughs> but God, we, we love knowing you. And God, may you uh, bless our week. May you go with us. Help us, God, to serve you, love you. And we thank you for your goodness to all of us. And we thank you most of all for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.